Our Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. So if you could please open your Bibles there. And as you find the place, please uh, join me now as we pray for the illumination of God's word. Gracious God, like John when we, he received the revelation of Jesus Christ, may you find us in the spirit on the Lord's day, waiting upon your word. Lord, we ask that you would send Jesus Christ among us today. Make him once again your faithful witness as he brings his testimony to our hearts. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and wills to obey all that he says, shows, and commands us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So please look to our our scripture reading in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 17. And here we have the reading from Moses and his fears about bearing witness on God's behalf in front of the Egyptian kings and the people of Israel. Starting in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of the Lord. Please open your Bibles to the last book in our Bibles. This is Revelation chapter 1, and this is on 1233. 1233 of your blue, uh, blue, red uh, pew Bibles. I'm going to read a little bit more than 1 through 8. It says 1 through 8 in your bulletin. I'll give you a little bit more context, but we'll read at least through 11, and then I'll point you to where we go next so you can follow along. It'll be good for you to have this open uh, throughout the message this morning. So let us hear God's word together. The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud 
the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, this is modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, as it was called, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits, or the sevenfold spirit, before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Let's skip down to verse 19. Write, therefore, this is now Jesus speaking to John, write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you think that some of the book of Revelation is a little weird, let me tell you, our world is a little weird. For example, if you want to sell a product on Amazon.com, here's what you do. You pay people to buy your product and then to write five-star reviews of your product for you. Then what happens is it launches to the top of the list on Amazon, and then actual customers will buy it and keep it at the top of the list. Now, your product might be total garbage, but it will sell if you do this. Churches. This is example number two of why our, weird is, our, our world is weirder than Revelation. Churches have Facebook pages more often than not these days. Visitors, members, and actually even complete strangers can go on and write reviews and give a certain number of stars and ratings. 
I noticed this week that our church, IPC, has a one-star review from a woman named Marie Antoinette. And she declares on our Facebook page that we are going to be kicked out of heaven by St. Peter because of our Protestant lies. So the world is weird, folks. Revelation is pretty normal compared to our world. What is the idea supposed to be here with all of this reviewing? The idea is supposed to be, of course, that someone buys and uses and tests a product or someone visits and experiences a local church and then they can give what? Personal testimony about that product or church. From now until Easter, all the way through Lent, we are studying the seven reviews of the seven churches. We won't be going through and giving Laodicea two stars and writing a nasty review, Ephesus four stars, etc. But we will be paying close attention to the reviewer's evaluation of these seven churches. The reviewer's attention is close upon the life and witness of these congregations. And so we'll look to see what kind of review he might write. Unlike a lot of the reviews online, these are honest and fair and thorough reviews, comprehensive even. The reviewer hasn't trolled these churches' Facebook pages or shown up at one service and then passed judgment upon them. The reviewer, rather, has been constantly present in these congregations. He's seen and heard everything that's happening. This reviewer has tested the product, tasted the fruit, and sensed the atmosphere in these church bodies. And what is, after all, the product, the atmosphere, the fruit of these congregations supposed to be? Well, the answer from Jesus Christ in Revelation is this. Witness. Witness. These congregations are supposed to be a witness to Jesus Christ. They're supposed to give testimony. Do you know what the Greek word for witness is? It's marturos. And that sounds like our word Martyr, right? Martyr. And so we're going to be studying, as the series is titled, kind of cheekily, The Seven Martyrs of the Apocalypse. And that's really just a scary way, maybe an interesting way of saying the seven witnesses in the book of Revelation. And John relays these letters from Jesus to these seven churches. And as he does so, as you see there in verse 9, which we read, he says to them, look, here are your letters. I want you to know this. I am your partner in all of this. All of the difficulty that you experience is my difficulty too. I know that this is tough. You're going to need patience, and I've experienced that need myself. Why all this difficulty? Why all this patience needed? The trouble is, John says in verse 9, that all of these witnesses are speaking forth God's word. 
So John says to these churches, you are all martyrs, witnesses. So am I. My martyrdom, after all, my witness bearing is what got me on this lonely island in the first place. I know, John says, that this is tough, but we must, we've got to keep bearing witness to Jesus. These churches, John sees in his vision, are, as the vision unfolds, verse 18, lampstands. And Jesus says that he walks among these lampstands, and he's reviewing their martyrdom, their witness-bearing, the light that they bring to the dark cities to which they bear witness. Now, another weird thing about our internet culture is how easy it is online to be anonymous, to be anonymous. If nobody knows your true identity online, then guess what you can do? You can say and do a lot of stupid things and often not get held accountable for the things you say and do. Sometimes these churches to which Jesus writes through John, they thought that their Christian life together could be, in these cities, anonymous. They thought they could be Christians in a non-Christian world and just kind of blend in. They could attend church on Sunday, they could believe in Jesus, of course, and then they could just be just like the city in which they lived. But Jesus writes to them, and maybe it startles them to find out that they are not anonymous. There's at least one person who knows exactly who they are and what they're up to. And that one person is, of course, Jesus himself. And he says, I am going to review you, churches. Now you might expect in this kind of situation that courtesy would mean Jesus is going to keep these reviews private, right? Just one-on-one. Nobody needs to get embarrassed. Let's just talk it out. But actually, that's not how it works here. For one thing, John knows everything Jesus says. And John is like a senior pastor, like a grandfather to these churches. They respect him. I remember when I was about 12 years old, I would have just been starting in Sam's youth group, for example, And I got in trouble on a youth retreat. Don't do this, youth groupers. I was such a bad, naughty little early preteen that when I came home from the retreat and the youth leader told my mom what I had done, my mom said, you have to go and have lunch at McDonald's with the pastor. And you're going to review what you've done and review what you're going to have to do to make things right. I was devastated. It's one thing for those kids, you know, on the youth retreat to know what I was like. It's another thing for my pastor to know what I was really like. I hated that my pastor had to know. Now John knows exactly what's going on in these churches. This is a little embarrassing. But actually it doesn't stop there, does it? Jesus tells John to do what? To publish each church's review. These churches must read each other's reviews. All these reviews come together in one letter and are circulated in these churches. And then it doesn't stop there. Because where do these reviews ultimately get published? (laughs) Right here. 
They're published in the thing you're holding in your hands. 2,000 years later, we're still reviewing these churches. Now, I love our church. There's so much to celebrate about our church. But I'm probably not alone in saying that I would be a little terrified if I found out Jesus was going to give a thorough review of all of us, leadership down to our children, and then publish it for all Christians throughout all time to read. Please, Jesus, pick another congregation. <laughs> give us, give, be patient with us. But guess what? These seven ancient churches in modern-day Turkey, they are not the only ones today who are being reviewed. After all, in almost every letter, in almost every review that we'll read, what does Jesus say? He says, let the, let the churches hear what the Spirit is saying to these churches. Because actually, Jesus says, through each one of these reviews, every church now and every church until I return is also under review. These are letters from Jesus Christ to the International Protestant Church of Zurich. And as we read, Jesus, by God's Spirit, is going to be walking among us, examining our martyrdom, our witness-bearing, confronting us in our unfaithfulness, encouraging us in our faithfulness, holding out promises for us if we persevere. And so there will be something in each one of these letters from now till Easter, something that hurts, something that thrills us, something that challenges us, something that lifts our spirits and encourages us. Now, if you, like me, actually want the real Jesus Christ to be among us, then we have to open ourselves, don't we, to his searching and reviewing spirit. And the question this morning is, for the next eight weeks or so, will we? Will we? I wonder if all of this doesn't sound all of a sudden really intimidating to us. What's coming in these martyrdom reviews is so challenging and bracing that we might, after a couple weeks, want to give up. The teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that we are going to get from these reviews is thorough, and we could be easily discouraged. But there's good news in our passage. What is the good news? The good news is we are not the first witnesses. We are not the first witnesses. We are the latest witnesses in a long chain of martyrs. Take a look. Verse 1, John says that God the Father revealed all of this stuff to his son, Jesus. Then Jesus, another witness, revealed it to an angel. That angel revealed it to John and appeared to him. And so before we get to the seven churches, much less to IPC Zurich, there's already four witnesses doing their thing. Father, son, angel, John. And each of them is a faithful martyr. 
faithful to get and convey the message of this book to us. But here's the thing. There's more. Father, Son, and John have not just borne witness in order to pass this book along to us. They have, but there's more. What else? Well, John, the author, verse 9, if you look there, was bearing such strong and steady witness that he himself was eventually arrested and then sent to this lonely island by the government authorities. Like today, the Chinese Presbyterian pastors are being rounded up and arrested and then uh, taken away because of their witness to Jesus. John himself found that the love of God in Christ had so compelled him that he couldn't not talk about Jesus, even if it cost him. And it did cost him. Who else and how else is witness being born? Well, the Heavenly Father is actually, John says, the first witness. He's been saying good things about his son, of course, to his son and to the Spirit for all eternity. And then in Jesus' ministry, in his baptism, he says what? This is my beloved son, and I'm pleased with him, and you all better listen to him, because he's got the words of eternal life. And the father's witness bearing cost him, too. He witnesses through his son, and what does it cost the father? Well, it costs the father his son. His son. Does witness bearing sound tough? It's as if John is asking us this. Does it sound tough? Well, your God and father knows what it's like to bear witness and to have it cost him dearly. You and I, here's the facts. You and I will never know the full depths of the sorrow in the heart of our heavenly father when he lost his son under the crushing weight of our sin at the cross. We'll never know. There's nothing that we could suffer for speaking and living the love of Jesus that costs us more than it cost God the Father to speak his love to us in his precious son. But he bore that sorrow because he was determined to speak his love through Jesus to you and me. How marvelous is that? And then here John tells us that that Jesus himself, verse 5, is, this is a great title for Jesus, the faithful witness, the real and best martyr of them all. Over and over in John's gospel, we find out that Jesus has taken everything the Father has given him to say and has faithfully said it. No part of the Father's heart of love and grace and justice was left out from Jesus' message in life. He said and he lived all of it. And he said it best where? On the cross, in his death, this great martyrdom of love to you and to me. As the living testimony of the Father's heart of love, the Son, Jesus, gave up his own life for us. And friends, church, this same Jesus is in our midst today. We are a lampstand. We're set here in the middle of Zurich, Switzerland, 2019, and we're called to bear witness faithfully to God's heart 
in Christ Jesus. And Jesus walks here among us. And as he does so, he will review us. He will. But take heart, because our passage tells us to be Jesus' faithful martyr, we must experience and receive afresh the faithful martyrdom of Jesus himself for us. Every time that we hear a review, every time we do a self-review of our own hearts, examine ourselves or have Jesus examine our sin, our unfaithfulness, for every review, even of our faithfulness, our courage, our boldness, we need to review the faithfulness and courage and full-hearted, bold love of Jesus himself ten times for every time we have a review of ourselves. We need to hear verse 5 over and over again that he loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood. And so only if Jesus, the faithful witness, is himself our focus in this season, can we bear the weight of his faithful testimony about us. And only if Jesus is our focus as the faithful witness can we bear more faithful witness to him. That's how it works. If we're gripped by his love, then instead of saying, no, Jesus, please don't come into our church and review it. Please, above all, don't come into my life and my home and my workplace and my heart and review me. If we're gripped by his love, then instead of saying, please don't come, then we can say, as Revelation says over and over again, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So the question for us is, this Lent, are we willing to say it? Are we willing to say together, amen, come, Lord Jesus? Can we say and mean it as his witness bearers? Jesus, because we are so convinced that you love us, and gave yourself for us. And because of your first love for us, we love you so much. Because of that, you can say absolutely anything that you need to about us, about me. And even so, come, Lord Jesus. Gracious God, we ask that as we enter into, in a couple of weeks, this season of reflection, that you would be pleased by your spirit to bring Jesus among us, to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us for the cause of justice and mercy to which you've called us as his witness bearers. We tremble at the thought of having the risen Son of God among us, and yet we delight to think that you would be pleased to be with us because of your overflowing heart of love for us. Heavenly Father, as we move towards the table, would you send Jesus afresh to commune with us, to cast away our doubts and fears? And in communing with him, would you give us courage to open up our lives afresh and the life of our congregation for examination, for renewal, for rejuvenation, and for recommission.
We want to be your faithful witnesses. I want to, my friends here, want to be faithful witness bearers. Show us then your face of love. Give us your review. Encourage our hearts. And make us, we pray, your most faithful servants. For we pray in the name of the faithful witness himself, the one who loved us and gave himself for us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.